Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Jeff Darlington is all over the Deshaun Watson story, ESPN NFL reporter, kind enough to join us. Jeff, let me start with last night, the NFLPA statement that they sent out a kind of a preemptive strike, sort of challenging the NFL to say, hey, you guys have this independent arbitrator, we both agreed on this, and we're willing to accept whatever she you know, decides – and it felt like they had to know something. What was your initial thought when you saw the NFLPA's statement? Yeah, Dan, one of, one of two scenarios. Number one, maybe they knew something. But number two, um, the other side of this is that they obviously recognized that they agreed to, in the collective bargaining agreement, the NFLPA agreed to allow an appeals process that ultimately gets decided by Roger Goodell. So, of course, they want the NFL to say, oh, yeah, we'll accept what Sue Robinson says, because ultimately they know that Roger Goodell, in the case of appeal, gets to make the final decision. So, in part, this is, I think, trying to win over the court of public opinion, uh, because they fully know the NFL was not about to give up that power. You think that the uh, commissioner will appeal this? I, so, I'm not saying I know that. Look, it's a six-game suspension. The NFL proposed a one-year suspension at the time of the original hearing with Sue Robinson. Uh, So Roger Goodell has a decision to make here. Does he want to respect the process that includes the disciplinary officer uh, overseeing this in Sue Robinson, who was agreed upon by the NFL and the NFLPA, or does he want to impose the power that was also agreed upon, which still happened to trump everything? I guess the point in all this is, We act like this new disciplinary process takes Roger Goodell out of the equation. No longer is he the judge, the jury, and the executioner. But really, ultimately, if the NFL decides they don't like the punishment, he is still exactly that. I I don't know how they came up with this agreement that you have an independent judge. But 
And let's take Roger Goodell's power away, but then if Roger Goodell wants to use his power, they gave it right back to him. It makes no sense to me, and most notably, it makes no sense that the NFLPA would have agreed to this. It's, it's silly. Literally the last line, Dan, of the, the section in the CBA about this, if either appeals, is the commissioner will issue a written decision that will constitute full, final, and complete disposition of the dispute. So uh, everything else feels like a dog and pony show. If the, if the commissioner wants to do something, he can do it. Have you seen the ruling? No, oh, not yet. I've read excerpts that obviously other people have reported, but I haven't seen the full ruling myself. What has stood out so far? Um, I think it was a little predictable to me in terms of Sue Robinson essentially saying that, um, you know, nothing he did was proven to be illegal, but he did, you know, jeopardize the personal conduct policy. I mean, that that's... I don't know why it's been months to conclude that. Like, that feels like the most obvious thing when you have, um, you know, this, this many women alleging wrongdoing against, we've seen precedent of other punishments in the past come down for less accusations, whether it be Ezekiel Elliott or Ben. I'm not saying less, I'm saying fewer accusations. This is dozens of women compared to in the instances of Ezekiel Elliott and Ben Roethlisberger. One allegation. It's not about, to me, um, it's, it, all of this should be viewed in the scope of legal findings, right? All, everybody is making decisions based on legality, not moral compass. And you can never convince me otherwise in this situation. But I also wonder, it's about Deshaun Watson, but is it about a lot more? Because this feels like precedent long term. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's, and that's, what I'm, that's exactly what my point is there. For me, when I look at all of this, uh, whether it's the NFL, the NFLPA, Sue Robinson, Deshaun Watson's side, this is not being, these decisions are not being made through a moral lens. They're being made for the purposes of legal protection and future precedent. Yeah. I mean, 100%, as much as there will be outrage based on uh, either side of it, whatever was going to come down, Nobody else that's making these decisions is looking at it through that lens. All they're looking at it is whether we want to uh, avoid the courtroom. I mean, the NFL was willing to take Tom Brady to court (laughs) over a four-game suspension about deflating footballs. If if they do the same in this situation, what does that tell you? What do you think the reaction is going to be? I mean, I was told this this morning by a source that the NFL has pushed for an indefinite suspension. They don't want to appear weak on this. But if the commissioner doesn't appeal, how does that go? So that's why I feel like all along this has been a, a, essentially a PR battle leading up to this moment. It's the same reason why you saw six to ten different reporters the week of the hearing, say the NFL is suggesting a one-year suspension. The NFL wanted everybody to know that they wanted to go hard on Deshaun Watson at that moment. So now Sue Robinson comes down with her her ruling, and ultimately we're all left to say, well, you know, the NFL did want this to be more than that. Uh, Again, I think it's, it's everybody basically trying to make sure that they come across as the public wants them to. That that to me is what's so fascinating about the next three days and whether or not Peele ends up 
um, being uh, made by the NFL or the NFLPA. Uh, they, they could they could potentially just make this all go away by everybody just sitting on their hands and not appealing. Jeff, thank you. I know you got a busy day. We appreciate your time. Great work on this. Uh, and thank you again. Thanks, Dan. That's Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter. Yeah, a lot of this is posture. But the NFL did not want to appear weak. They wanted to let, you know, there's a game that's played here. And that is, hey, we want to put this out. We want to put this out that it might be two to eight games. See what the reaction's going to be. Hey, we want an indefinite suspension. You leak that to a couple of reporters. See what the reaction is. Now we have six games to Sean Watson. What's the reaction? Because the NFL will monitor this and go, what do people think? Oh, we should have gotten more. How strongly do they feel that way? You know, are there columns written, editorials written? Like, how important is this? It's about perception. It's about optics. And I think the NFL feels obligated to appeal this. Deshaun Watson got paid $20 million in 2021 to not play. In 2022, he'll be paid $45 million to play in 11 games. That's his signing bonus. Now, that might be fewer games than that. But getting a million dollars in salary this year, uh, but he got $20 million to not play last year. Got a good agent. <laughs> if you would have said when this all started to Deshaun Watson, hey, by the way, you're going to get six games. You're not going to get fined. Probably not going to be any mandatory therapy. And you're going to get a $230 million guaranteed contract. And you're going to get an upgrade. You get to play for the Cleveland Browns. You get to be a savior for the Cleveland Browns. He probably thought, uh, I'll just take one of those things. Well, let me start with a $230 million guarantee. Yeah, Paul. Historically, he would have balked at the line that the Browns were an upgrade over somebody. Because historically, that's a tough one to believe. Yeah. They had to overpay to yeah. get him there. Wild. But I, I'm guessing Cleveland's going to you know, welcome him. Peter King talked about that in his uh, column, Football Morning in America, that mostly cheers you know, at camp with Deshaun Watson. Uh, more phone calls coming up. By the way, if uh, Hakeem Olajuwon's the all-time leader in blocks, he has 38-30. So he averaged just over three per game. Let's say you estimated that Bill Russell averaged four blocks per game. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to guess there that the average would be more. His career total would be about 30 more than uh, Hakeem Olajuwon. I, I have to imagine back then he got he averaged more than four blocks per game. Yeah, Paul. Bleacher Report did a, a semi study on it, and they talked to people at the time, even score people with the Celtics, and they said they estimated five, but to be safe, they said four, and the people from the Celtics said four would be no problem to estimate. Yeah. More on the Cleveland Browns coming up. We'll check in with them at training camp, and the great Jerry West will join his final hour to look back on the impact. Of Bill Russell passed away yesterday at the age of 88. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app. 
by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zach Jackson covers the Browns NFL writer for The Athletic, joining us on this Monday. What's the morale at camp there today, Zach? 
Well, we don't see anything until uh, the afternoon, Dan, but okay. you have to think it's positive. I mean, this is mostly what the Browns expected. I think it drug out a little longer, and we certainly have the uncertainty with an NFL appeal. But, you know, from a football standpoint, this would be a win for the Browns, who never did it for this year, who always knew to some level what they were taking on, right? But the NFL didn't accidentally let it leak out back in the last six, eight weeks that they wanted an indefinite suspension, right? So Mm -hmm. for it to be six, for Watson's side and the NFLPA to have probably – you know, chalk up the hearing as a win and make this as a win, then it's certainly a win for the Browns who think they're pretty good and wouldn't have done this otherwise. The reaction locally, uh, fans who show up at camp with Deshaun Watson has been one. Um, fine. Now, there's only been one day of, of open camp, and it was kind of muted, but no protesters, nothing I heard. You know, the team has been very uh, coordinated but subtle and using social media to get him out there. He's only been made available twice to reporters. Both press conferences have been bad, and the second one was short, right? But, um, you know, I don't know what the overall negative reaction will be, and certainly some of my readers right away broke up with the Browns. But I think as far as being here and judging this morning, judging the last few weeks of of Browns fans and, and people invested here, I think it's been positive to Deshaun Watson, and I think it's a belief that this will eventually go away and that people will support him. I know that's what the team has thought going way back. So I think this was longer and, and more drawn out than anyone expected, but I think the Browns always were prepared to some level for this. Got a question for Deshaun Watson that you would want him to answer? You know, that I haven't thought about that because he hasn't really directly answered anything, and we also haven't been able to ask him any football questions, right? So... He has maintained his innocence, and he's been direct in doing that. Now, the ruling, obviously, is in conflict with that, and some of it was out there. But I just go back, Dan, to this trade was made you know, on Friday in mid-March. The NFL owners' meetings were a couple of weeks later. Like This was construed to us off the record and you know, just in ways things go as, as this was kind of going to be the outcome. That Deshaun Watson made some mistakes but didn't do uh, anything – you know, really over the top and that the team was going to swallow this. Um, there was a sense of desperation here. Obviously, when you and I last talked, it was pretty clear they were going to break up with Baker Mayfield. You're never getting this player if these circumstances aren't out there, right? Yeah. So they took this all on, and right now it feels like a win. This is what I don't understand. We're talking to Zach Jackson. He uh, covers the Browns NFL writer for The Athletic. Has anybody talked about therapy for Deshaun Watson? Because when the judge talks about a pattern of behavior that's egregious and the behavior was nonviolent sexual conduct with multiple women here, if you're the Cleveland Browns, moving forward, you feel pretty confident that uh, Deshaun Watson is all of a sudden going to learn his lesson? Yeah, you know, I think there was always a level of trust in the Browns, and there had to be. You know, this isn't deciding which tight end you're going to sign in free agency. This was taking on this player and giving him this contract and signing up for all this. Um, The therapy counseling thing was broached at the initial press conference multiple times by people with Deshaun, and his answer was his standard, maintain the innocence. You know, and the quote that's kind of lingered was when Andrew Berry was asked if if he believed that that Deshaun did nothing wrong, he didn't give the direct answer. Mm. But. You know, uh, I think, like I said, they always knew to some level. And all that changed was the NFL's insistence that this was going to be long. And we'll see, you know, it's three days until they can file an appeal. And I kind of see it both ways there. But as of right now, the Browns have to feel like this is what they expected and they can go forward with their long-term planning.
Anybody miss Baker Mayfield football-wise? Zero. Um, in week one, you know, the Browns will see him. But it, that, that relationship had just gone so sour. And, and kind of quickly, but not, not totally quickly. I mean, Baker's personality is Baker's personality, right? And when the production didn't match, and that was really twice in three years, you know, after the big rookie year, um, it just it, it really went sideways. So, no, um, you don't make this move after guaranteeing Baker's $19 million, right, especially um, if you're not totally done. But if he had gone on the IR, let's say, Zach, and not tried to play through the injury, would he still be there as the Cleveland Browns quarterback, in your opinion? The fact that they got sign-off from ownership and from every level of the organization to do this indicates no to me. I just think they they didn't offer him a contract because they didn't trust him. And I think the Baker Mayfield experience was exhausting. And I'm sure the Aaron Rodgers experience is exhausting for the Packers, but every year he's Aaron Rodgers, right, when the games start. And that's what counts, and that's why the Browns traded for Deshaun Watson. Oh, have fun today, Zach, and uh, we appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Just a very normal day here yeah. and a very normal offseason. Of course, Zach Jackson covers uh, the NFL, covers the Browns for the Athletic. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. I'm George Reister, host of the Reister or Wrong podcast. This is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth absolute fire on mondays wednesdays and fridays facts only make sure you check your feelings at the door because no bs is allowed we keep it 100 this is where real conversations happen listen to the right or wrong podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts when you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. 
and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're lucky to have Jerry West, the Hall of Famer and uh, Clippers consultant, won an NBA championship in 1972. Certainly, uh, Cross paths with Bill Russell quite a bit, and uh, Jerry, kind enough to join us on the program. Jerry, let's start with Bill the player. If people didn't see Bill Russell the player, how would you describe him? Well, I think, uh, Dan, um, obviously, he was the most unique player, I think, that came into the league at that point in time. Uh, He was uh, kind of a forerunner of what we see today, these active big guys who can move out in the court. He he could play out in the court. But his activity level was probably what made him stand out more than anything, particularly on the defensive end. And I think that that was the advent of people starting to understand the importance of the defensive play in this league and what particularly what one man could do to – disrupt other teams. Um, It allowed you to do so many things to hide weak defensive players, players that sometimes people would take advantage of. And um, uh, they were smart enough to use him the right way. They would funnel guys to him, but uh, to the driving to the basket, he would alter shots and or block shots that seemingly took away two points and also a, a ignited what they like to do best is run up and down the court. Um, but more than that, um, uh, he's a man who probably changed the way the sport is looked at today. Everyone looking for a big gifted guy. And over the years, as we've seen the ch- changes in the game, uh, particularly because of the three-point line, I think his unique style of play will be what someone is looking for now more than ever in the sense that hopefully there will be a better offensive player than he was. But uh, 
remarkable player, but more importantly, a remarkable man. How aware were you of Bill when you went to the hoop? Well, early in my career, uh, Dan, because you, I'd never seen a player like this. I was probably an athlete before my time. Could go in there and jump over most people. You had to really be careful with him. And early in my career, he really bothered me a lot because I had the ability to get by people. And uh, with him back there, you had to learn how to either uh, make a pass, uh, and which would help players if they were gifted enough to do it. And then more importantly, how to look for him before he got there. Uh, that was the most important thing. You almost had to identify him. And I was able to do that later in my career and had much more success playing against him because of, uh, because of being aware of where he was all the time. Also, he's one of the first, and you would know better, felt like he blocked shots and kept shots in play, whereas Wilt might have blocked them out of bounds. It felt like Bill Russell blocked him to then start a fast break. Well, there's no question. And today you watch players, uh, you know, block shots, and everyone gets really excited about them blocking the shots into the stands and everything. It would be nice if they could just tip the ball to their own people. And uh, my goodness, when you're in driving situations, Dan, it's the ideal time to run out on teams uh, because teams are anticipating maybe an offensive rebound. They'll be leaning toward the offensive end if they're offensive players. And the defensive players, if a ball is, is tapped or deflected off the board or someone, that's when, when today's players really take advantage of open courts because they're so good in the open courts today. Did you ever talk about you guys meeting in the finals? Did you ever get a chance to talk to Bill later in your careers about playing for championships? Dan, he and I are probably a lot closer than anyone would ever thought. Um, I'm happy to say that uh, I was a friend of his. I knew a lot about him personally. Uh, uh, we shared a lot of thoughts. Um, some of the things that uh, he he's said about me will live forever. And I have something in my bathroom that I've had up there vividly displayed in my bathroom for years. And it was the night that they'd had a night for me here in Los Angeles. And he had said something about me that has resonated with me for years. And he he talked about the respect of, of players in the league that they had for me, the respect they had for me. And he also said in there, maybe more than any man I've ever known, but the la his last thought was, he said, I just wanted you to be happy. And uh, over the years, uh, you know, he was great friends with uh, 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 Jim Brown. They lived together uh, talking about how they could help make a difference in minority communities, be, uh, be people who help keep in sight what their focus was. Uh, one of the things they used to do, and, and uh, uh, both Bill and uh, Jim, I talked about with Jim too, they used to drive across the country together every summer. And I and he would, Bill would laugh about it in the sense that he said, can you imagine two <laughs> giant black guys drive, driving out across the country in some little small town and they pull up and here, here are these two <laughs> legendary sports figures. But more importantly, um, just how committed they were to help making a difference in the minority communities and the awareness they brought to the athletes in the league, even at that point in time when it was not in vogue, Dan, at all. He wanted you to be happy. What did he mean by that? Um, 
Well, Dan, that's, you know, it's pretty well uh, known that, uh, you know, I've had some awful dark days in my life and even did still today. And uh, coming from him, I think the, uh, uh, the pain that me and other players that played for the Lakers at that point in time to get beat by them, I think eight times in the finals, uh, was really very traumatic. And uh, at the height of my career when, you know, I could, I didn't take a back seat from anyone at those days. And uh, it had come up short all the time, and particularly to the Celtics, it was uh, hurtful. It was, uh, even to this day, I think about um, think about how people might view you as a as a champion. And even though we won once and I played on a lot of great teams, a lot of success uh, afterwards, it was not the same as uh, the team that you really wanted to beat were the Celtics. And because they had such great excellence, uh, what he won 11 championships as a player coach. Uh, it's pretty remarkable that I don't think we'll ever see a winner like that in any sport again, because I'm not sure it's, it's the leagues are established that way today. Players traded, uh, free agency changed the destiny of a lot of teams. And also, when you lose a player of his caliber, if you can imagine if he would have been a free agent, uh, what might have happened then? Uh, <laughs> it, it would change the dynamics of a lot of teams. We look at Michael Jordan as the greatest of all time, but Russell's the greatest winner. Um, why don't we recognize, if winning is the ultimate, why isn't Bill considered the GOAT? Well, today we honor individual achievements. You know, I, I watch today in sports and and here in Los Angeles uh, uh, and uh, in Orange County, we have two incredible baseball players uh, on the Angels teams that, uh, you know, everyone doesn't understand why they can't win. Obviously, they're not good enough to win. Mike Trout and uh, Otani. And I look at those players and I marvel what they're able to do and be the most valuable player on a team that wasn't a great team at all last year in Otani. And I, I say to myself, uh, you would think that those awards are, would be given to teams on winning teams. They're not. They're re recognized as uh, for individual achievement. But again, as I say today, the sports have changed completely. Uh, you know, it's about it's about self-promotion. It's about uh, also a lot of about social media. And there's so many kids today who are really into that. And I think probably one of the things that's most shocking to me is when go to, kids go to college today and they're on, uh, <clears throat> they're on these social media pages and they have thousands of followers in, in, in places that you, you never heard of. Basically, I mean, instead of the big cities where you expect most of the publicity to come from. So there's a different approach, I think, to sports today than maybe we've ever had before. And uh, Bill's excellence, not only as a player, but as a human being, will far outlive some of these others, in my mind, I believe. How was Red Arbach during a game to you? Did he ever say anything to you? No, I, I didn't talk to anyone, Dan. I really no. didn't. Uh, you know, everyone used to get when he would like it, light his victory cigar. <laughs> I heard a lot of things said in our locker room, particularly one of our late coaches, about what he had like to do with that cigar. And, uh, <laughs> and obviously, he never had a chance to do that because we were never able to beat them. I had great admiration for them. 
But there were two years that, uh, and I'll say it to the day I die, um, that we should have won. We had the best team, and we did not win. And that's what's even more galling when those things happen. But, uh, you know, you have to, I think you learn from lose, uh, losing. Uh, you have to learn to lose with class. But it still doesn't take the hurt away if you care more than the average person. And I always felt I did care more. If you could replay one game in your career. Oh, my goodness. Oh, boy. I think maybe the first time we'd ever uh, played in the uh, NBA Finals and, and we get beat in the seventh game in Boston Garden in overtime. Mm-hmm. Um, there was game was tied, and, and Frank Selby, who was playing for us at that time, he and I are in the backcourt, he made a shot to put us in overtime, and he missed one that w- that would have uh, that would have won it for us. And I always used to love moments like that. And they had double teamed uh, me and Elgin Baylor. We were playing together, Lady Elgin Baylor, who also was an incredible friend of Bill's. Um, and we were not able to get the ball. And, uh, you know, people will talk about Frank uh, for missing that shot. I will never talk about him because he made the one that really mattered. And he was a very good shooter. He missed a shot that I'm sure a lot of us would like to have, but uh, that's sports. Uh, that game, I just, uh, a lot of nights, even today, I go to bed and I said, oh my gosh, I wish I could have had that for the last shot. And again, I don't know if I'd made it, would have made it or not, but <laughs> it's something that um, that I wish I'd had an opportunity to do. The wins don't stay as long as the losses do, right? No, absolutely not. Not with me. Uh, you know, um, I have very high standards, Dan, in, in terms of what I felt as an athlete. Uh, you know, I felt that if you could play, you played. Uh, we played under a you know a lot a lot of different times, a lot of different eras when when the league was just changing. Frankly, Bill and I think Elgin Baylor and myself, we bought a different perspective from an athletic standpoint that the league didn't have then. There were a lot less great athletes like today's game. We see enormous athletes today, and you just see them getting better and better and all, all at all time, uh, and particularly with uh, a lot of the things that we see players do today, but, um, you know, it was a very prideful time for anyone who really cared. And, uh, those times were the most meaningful times in my life because winning meant everything to me. And even today, it still means probably more than, uh, more than most people would ever imagine. In that series, you averaged 31. Elgin averaged 40. (laughs) Elgin missed that window. Like, he's the first true athletic superstar in the NBA. And I only saw him at the very end when he had his knee injury. But just knowing what he did, how he did it at that time, it felt like Elgin's maybe the forgotten superstar in NBA history. Well, I've said that a lot, uh, Dan. Um, I think he was so quiet, and he just let he just played the way he played. And to watch him some nights, you say, oh, my God. Uh, you know, where did this guy learn how to particularly shoot the ball off the board? And he had amazing instincts to rebound the ball, and particularly on the offensive end. Uh, he was uh, an even a better teammate, but he has been forgotten. There's no question about it. And I think uh, – He averaged 38 and 18 one year, Jerry. 
Well, you should know this. 38 <laughs> points, 18 rebounds. Oh, my gosh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he again, he just – he was an athlete before his time, and uh, his just due has never been there for him. And I think of the problem that happened. He got hurt a couple of times later in his career, which which really – we're at a time in his career when he was just still a great, great player. And at that point in time, obviously the doctor and medical care was not like it is today. And it did rob him. And for me uh, uh, to watch someone who I love to watch play when I was playing with him, (laughs) and people, I think people say, well, how do you even concentrate on that? Well, for me, it was easy. uh, Just, the ease that he would do it, and uh, and instincts are something that you wish all people had, uh, and particularly great instincts, which he had. But he was a remarkable player himself. And uh, as I mentioned, when we used to go to Boston, uh, I would, if Bill would have invited me to the house, and I really didn't even know him because I was so quiet. Um, he and Elgin used to have dinner to, together. Will Chamberlain, he used to have dinner together. And he used to act like that these guys hated each other. And it was just completely opposite. And I think it was about respect, about respecting uh, uh, a black athlete's ability, uh, not only to be players, but be treated as human beings. And, and uh, that's exactly what he was about, about a player. And also his activism was incredible. And I applaud him for that. But we lost a... a giant of a man, not only in person, but in stature of what he accomplished in this league and outside of the league. That laugh. There's no other laugh like his. Yes, you're right. Absolutely. Uh, He was just a wonderful man. And uh, I will miss my times. Every time we saw each other, we always ended up together some way, somehow. And our talks never varied. They were always the same. And his famous, uh, I don't call it laugh, I, I call it cackle, Yeah, that will, will resonate in my mind forever. Always great to talk to you, Jerry. Thank you again. Well, we appreciate it. Well, thank you so much, Dan. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. 
What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.